Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. On today's show, we're going to check in with the Minnesota Military and Veterans Museum and get an update on the Camp Ripley Training Center. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking, a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey. We refer to the days between the end of summer and the beginning of fall as 101 critical days of summer, and for good reason. The statistics show us that as the seasons change and the temperature rises, the number of injuries to our soldiers and airmen also tick upward. During these 101 days, car accidents, accidental drownings, and alcohol-related injuries are much more common than we would like. A relaxing day out on the lake, a cross-country summer road trip, each one of these scenarios offers an opportunity for injury if we are not careful. As you enjoy your well-earned downtime this summer, I ask you not to forget the importance of safety. A few simple actions on your part prevent bad things from happening. Helmets, seatbelts, and life vests don't work if you don't use them. So please use them. Please be safe and smart as you enjoy everything this warm weather has to offer. Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. So I said at the opening we're going to check in and get an update on the Camp Ripley Training Center up in northern Minnesota. And joining me to talk about that is the commander of the Camp Ripley Training Center, Brigadier General Lowell Cruz. General Cruz, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to... um once again, get to meet your audience over the airwaves and um, talk a little bit about one of the greatest places on earth, Camp Ripley. Well, especially this spring when things are starting to dry out and the snow melt and looking forward to all the activities. But, General, can you tell us uh, how many years did it take in the military to, to get to be a Brigadier General? Well, it it took me about 28 or 29, I guess. But this year in September, I'm going to mark 34 years of service. So, um we're almost to um, um, thirty-five, which might be the goal. So, all right, sir. Well, you got a little more, a little more time to have another season of fun up at Camp Ripley this summer and watch all those troops uh, come through there and train and do all the things that uh, that you've been uh, helping them do for years, sir. Can you tell us uh, Camp Ripley Training Center? It's a state asset. It's up uh, yeah. just north of Little Falls. Can you tell us a little about it? Well, yeah, we are a state state owned um, military training center. Uh, 53,000 acres of total land. About 2,000 of that is in what we call a cantonment or a built-up little city area in the southeast southeast corner of the base. Uh, we um, are one of the largest. There's five large National Guard training centers in the nation, and we're proud to be one of them. Uh, we are the home of the first of the Armor Brigade combat team, and all their equipment, so we have um, tank ranges and all sorts of capability to allow the 5,000 Minnesotans that are part of that brigade to train effectively and prepare to go overseas. Um, Simultaneously, we train a whole bunch of civilians every year, both um, both law enforcement and emergency management, and and even some um, DOT snowplow drivers. So um, this last year we had almost... um, Almost 550,000 man days of um, training that occurred here on the installation. In general, uh, we've got a new headquarters for uh, the 34th Infantry Division down here in the cities. Do they get up there once in a while to uh, do some training as well? Yes, the division headquarters comes up here predominantly um, to do some of their major exercises. They've got the capability here of plugging into um, secret and top secret networks that allow them to um, exercise as if they were overseas. And they, they do that as they prepare to deploy 
Um, they just got back in um, 2019, and so they're already on their timeline for another deployment coming up here in a year or two. And um, so they'll be pretty active here over the next couple of years. They come and set up little tent cities and operate as if they were one big headquarters here. And Camp Ripley is a great place for them to do that because of our our great lodging and and, and support capability it gives them everything they need so they can concentrate just on training. In general, some of the retired soldiers from the Minnesota National Guard are, are getting pretty excited about the division getting back artillery. I think they refer to it as Devardi. Yeah, so is this old soldier. I'm pretty excited to see the Devardi come back. You know, everything seems to be cyclic in the Army. But um, as we move as a nation towards confronting world powers like China or Russia, um, we realize that we got to be able to fight at a much higher level of um of um, capability than we're, what we were fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan. And that involves division and core level activities. The Devardi's ability to manage how we get um, your brethren from the Air Force to drop bombs in the right spots and my brethren and their artillery to mass to, um, to have the greatest effect is what the division artillery um, brigade is most important for the Devardi. So you're going to look forward to them coming up to Camp Ripley to to, to uh, participate and train up there as well. We are, we are definitely, and and for our field artillery battalions in the state here, it'll be great to have a higher headquarters. It's an artillery headquarters that can allow them to um, cross level and do some training between the battalions and have a colonel in charge of their standards to make them better professionally. We're speaking with Brigadier, Brigadier General Lowell Cruz, the uh, commander of the Camp Ripley Training Center on Minnesota Military Radio. General, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, I think we just finished the, uh, was it the 49th or 50th Norex, uh, Norwegian Exchange? So we celebrated the 49th year of this last March. Uh, we had 105 Norwegians that came over here for two weeks, and we sent 103 soldiers to Norway. And... Um, once again, had a great training relationship between both nations. Uh, we're very excited as we go forward here and start the planning for the 50th, which will occur in February of 2023, to um, celebrate a the DOD's longest-standing troop exchange program between the Minnesota National Guard and the Home Guard in Norway. And some of the developments we're working on between our state our nation and the country of Norway is, um, we are working towards um, make, formalizing that agreement with a formalization of making them a strategic state partner of Minnesota. And um, we think that'll come with a whole lot, a greater suite of authorities and ability to, um, to continue to make the exchange be um, better than what it is right now. It's pretty exciting times to be part of that international gamesmanship. General, was that uh, training a little more intense this year with the uh, conflicts going on in Europe? Well, it definitely is um, for the Norwegians because they share a border with Russia is um, definitely um, what they're talking about. And um, so for our soldiers going to, the, to Norway, uh, they got a good week of winter operations training. A lot of kids learned how to ski and um, ski effectively and how to survive in snow caves and those winter skills that only the Nor that the Norwegians are masters of and we pretend we know about. And um, 
So, yes, for our soldiers going over there, they got some great practical training. For the Norwegians that were here, a third of them were their Norwegian youth, which um, have kind of a, uh, a special program here as part of their training. And the other two-thirds were part of their rapid reaction force. And those soldiers are the frontline soldiers in each one of their home guard districts to defend their nation. So it's pretty important to them right now what's going on in the Ukraine. General, we've only got about a minute left in this segment, but I know you've hosted our former uh, 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 partner, Croatia, up at Camp Ripley as well. Yeah, they came here and tried to kick our butt in the, the best warrior competition real, most recently. They sent over two very good soldiers that were part of their special um, their um, special warfare unit. And um, you can they're, they're per, some pretty ready soldiers over there from Croatia. We're also working with them right now on sending some um, leadership over there because the Croatians have decided to buy Blackhawk helicopters. So the Minnesota National Guard is going to work to help professionalize their aviation pilots a little bit too. Uh, General, just one last question. Uh, we've heard about uh, what's going on in Ukraine, but we also heard that Ukraine had partnered with the California National Guard for decades. And i gotta, yeah, they, I got to believe that's helped. They, it has. It's documented. Um, they've been a state partner with with California for 30-plus years, and they will gladly admit that it's the California National Guard and the state partnership program that's helped modernize and professionalize the Ukrainian Army to allow them to have great success in defending themselves against this Russian aggression. Very good, sir. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to speak more with uh, Brigadier General Lowell Cruz, the commander of the Camp Ripley Training Center on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been speaking with Brigadier General Lowell Cruz, the commander of the Camp Ripley Training Center on Minnesota Military Radio. In general, uh, we were talking about the facility up there. It's a state asset. It's a great asset. You share it with the Minnesota State Patrol, Department of Natural Resources, Homeland Security's up there. Uh, and we talked about the fact that uh, the division and the 1st Brigade come up and train, as does the rest of the Minnesota National Guard. But you get Iowa and some surrounding states that come up there as well, don't you? Yeah, we're going to have one of our busiest summers that we've had in a long time. I tell my staff that a lot of my staff has turned over, and I tell them they haven't seen a summer like we are going to have this year since probably 2016. And a lot of that is due to a couple different factors. Uh, one is most of the Minnesota National Guard is home. We have a very small percentage that is deployed or will deploy this summer. And so we almost have 10,000 Army soldiers that are going to come here over the summer to train. Um, on top of that, uh, Fort McCoy was the host for um, some Afghan refugees this last year. And so as their units that normally would go there were planning their training, they were concerned they'd still be having a conflict with the having the refugees in Fort McCoy. So we gained quite a few units that would normally go to Fort McCoy that have been coming to Camp Ripley to use our ranges and um, train here. So um, we're going to be busy. Um, in June especially, we're almost at 100,000 man days alone in June. Your small winter city turns into a busy, busy city in the summertime, doesn't it? It does, yeah. You know, we've been trying to expand our winter customers all year long and for several years, but... The heart of what we do and is truly our summer activities, May through um, August. And we're going to start here on May 11th. I got three field artillery battalions back to back starting May 11th. So 
my neighbors around me in Pillager and Baxter and Little Falls are going to get serenaded most of the summer with um, the sound of 155-millimeter howitzers firing. Wake-up calls for the neighborhood, but I'm, you've been talking to them, and they know it's coming. So Yeah, we do a great job of getting out in the community and meeting with public um, leaders, uh, county commissioners, city government, all in an effort to try to help them help us talk to their constituents about the times that we're going to be noisy neighbors, trying to get ahead of that so that people understand that this is the sound of freedom and this is what they pay to live next to. In general, when I've been up there quite often, I see the, the Canadians, our, our neighbors in there training. And uh, I understand you've got the Navy and the Coast Guard coming in. How's that work? Yeah, well, it's part of an effort by me to expand and remind the rest of the nation that Minnesota has some extreme cold weather conditions and that I can provide an environment in February and March and sometimes in January, December that's equal or better than Alaska. And so as part of that, the Navy and the Coast Guard have moved their winter diving schools to Camp Ripley, and um, they take advantage of our great lakes that I have here on the installation and the ability to cut holes in it and dive around and, and swim underneath the ice, which is pretty intimidating to me, but for those professionals, they're pretty good at it. And then our friends from Canada were down this spring as well. Uh, the unit in Thunder Bay it comes here every year, except when we have a, you know, a quarantine at the border for COVID. So they haven't been down here since 2019, but they come down every year and use our ranges here predominantly because we're still probably six hours closer to them than any other training base in Canada. And so it's good to see those brothers from the north come down. We've got a great training relationship with the 38th Brigade in Winnipeg and the um, and the, the Scottish Regiment in, um, in Thunder Bay. General, I'm, I'm thinking there they appreciate the housing and the chow available on Camp Ripley. Well, they appreciate our ranges mainly. They don't have any capability to do squad and platoon level live fire ranges like we do here. You know, and they're predominantly infantry, light infantry units, so that's right up their bailiwick. I do I probably do enjoy my chow hall as well. Um, getting some American fare is probably different for them a little bit as well. So. General, I understand that uh, part of your cooperation with the community is you've got the fire hall up there and, and your firemen uh, respond to uh, uh, events off base, but you also expanded that fire hall. Is its capabilities uh, greater than they've been? Yeah, we did. We, we have the only um, full-time fire department north of the Twin Cities. And so I have 15 full-time fire fighters that work for me. And so a portion of them are on 24-hour shifts. So if you come here at any time during the day, I have four qualified firefighters that are on shift here. And then um, we supplement them with um, some of the other personnel so that we can have six or so when our aircraft are flying. Because their primary mission here is to provide crash fire rescue on my airfield when it's so busy. But they do have a um, responsibility as well within the Morrison County community where we've got an MOA with our, with our local fire departments and with the Morrison County Sheriff that gives them some responsibility in the Fort Ripley area, which um, was underserviced before. And so my firefighters have saved some lives. They've um, put out some fires pretty early there. 
Uh, just this last month, uh, one of them was involved with an ice rescue on the Mississippi River, which if it hadn't been for my Camp Ripley firefighter, that individual probably would have perished. And so um, some pretty amazing heroes work inside of that group, and we're pretty proud that we um, just built them a $2 million um, home, which um, basically is a series of dorm rooms and offices with a little bit of vehicle storage and and a great kitchen because every firefighter needs to have a great kitchen to eat out of. And so we're pretty proud to have that building next to our other vehicle storage building where we store all the fire trucks. And um, my fleet of fire trucks is the envy of most fire departments. General, if I lived in the in the neighborhood, I think I'd be more than happy to know that your fire department is ready to help us and uh, probably wouldn't complain too much about a little noise in the summertime from your artillery. No, I don't get a lot of complaints. The only time they get a complaint is normally is when we surprise them. So um, we that's why we make such an effort to talk about what we're doing. General, we just got a few minutes left, but uh, I'm sure it's a lot of a lot of work to maintain Camp Ripley, and also uh, there's new military equipment coming all the time. Do you have to change things a little bit? Like I'm guessing you do when Devardi comes up there with some new equipment. Yeah, we've we've got 700 full-time employees that are maintaining the installation as well as all that green Army equipment that the Army's given to the Minnesota National Guard. We just received a train with um, with 18 new howitzers for the one of the 125 field artillery. They're the most modern howitzer that we have, um, the M109 Alpha 7, so we're pretty excited to see that fielding happen. When that equipment arrives here from depot, um, my mechanics go through it all and TI it and make sure that it's that, uh, that it's gets a good technical inspection to make sure that it's working right. And then we spend hours training soldiers on how to use the equipment correctly, especially as we as an Army modernize. Uh, we're going to see a lot of that over the next five years. Um, our tank fleet's going to get replaced in 2024, and we think our Bradley fleet will get replaced in 2025. That's about 200 vehicles that are going to get exchanged here. That You know, M1 tanks and Bradley fighting vehicles will come in on rail cars and get handed off to soldiers, and the old ones will move out. So we got a lot of modernization coming. In general, we can't we can't forget uh, we've got a lot of our guardsmen home from federal deployments and things, and they come home with their equipment. You've got a huge maintenance facility up there, and the first order of business is get all that equipment ready to go for the next mission. It is, and we our um, maintainers are some of the best in the National Guard, and because of that, some of the best in the Army because. The, the active duty army can't compare with the knowledge level that I have for mechanics that work in my shops. And um, they um, maintain our equipment pretty well. Uh, we're often asked to check our numbers because the army can't believe that we're at such a high state of readiness. But I would tell you that's indicative of a Minnesota um, employee work ethic and a lot of people doing the right thing. General, just about a minute left, but you also find time to have our veteran service organizations come up there with our disabled veterans so they can go hunting and fishing. Next week, we're going to shoot some turkeys here. Um, we got the DAV coming for our, their spring turkey hunt uh, the first weekend in June. We're taking applications right now for trolling with the troops. So um, if, you, if you're a veteran and you want to get a chance to fish with some professional fishermen, uh, we're doing that the first week of June. And um, if you go on, if you do a Google search for Camp Ripley Veterans Programs, you'll probably find an application page where you could apply 
to be one of those people that gets to fish with a Ron Shera or a, or an Al or a Linder or somebody along those lines. Pretty pretty cool program. Maybe Scott Saint Sauer. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's normally my place. I, I'm I'm his second. I'm his first mate. So. General, I appreciate you spending some time with us just uh, prior to your busy summer season coming up. Yeah, I appreciate the time to talk about the one of the my favorite place in the world, which is this location. I tell people I have the best job in the Army, and I truly do. And um, it's because I get the opportunity to work with some phenomenal people as we maintain and take care of this truly gem that we call the Camp Ripley Training Center. Thank you, General. Have a great day, Tom. As Brigadier General Lowell Cruz, the commander of the Camp Ripley Training Center on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. When we come back, we're going to visit with the Minnesota Military and Veterans Museum. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. In a moment, we're going to check in with the Minnesota Military and Veterans Museum. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now, here's Commissioner Larry Herkey. The Minnesota Commander's Task Force, or CTF, is made up of nine congressionally chartered veteran service organizations here in Minnesota. They include the American Legion, Veterans of Foreign Wars, Disabled American Veterans, Vietnam Veterans of America, Military Order of the Purple Heart, Marine Corps League, AMVETS, Jewish War Veterans, and the Paralyzed Veterans of America. The CTF acts as a single voice for veterans of Minnesota. They meet monthly to discuss the issues affecting veterans and their families and facilitate communication among veteran service organizations. The CTF promotes legislative initiatives and represents veterans and their families on the Hill. The CTF is also an advisory board to me, and for that I am very grateful. I look forward to working with the commanders in the upcoming year. Thank you, Commissioner Herkey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Randall Dietrich has served as the executive director of the Minnesota Military and Veterans Museum at Camp Ripley since 2017, and he's joining us today in the studio to talk about that camp, uh, that museum and uh, some changes coming up. Randall, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Tom, thank you for having me. Randall, a little history. That's what you deal with is history. How long has the Minnesota Military Museum, which I think was first called, been on Camp Ripley? Yeah, uh, the museum got started in 1977 uh, and has been in its current location since 1987. Uh, that current location on post uh, is within the walls of a 90-year-old building, uh, never meant to be a museum space. Uh, we've made the best uh, with what we've had to work with for a number of years, and now, thankfully, we're taking the giant step forward uh, to build a brand-new facility um, just outside the wall of Camp Ripley and uh, continuing that close collaboration with General Cruz and others and all the remarkable work that's done at Camp Ripley. And, of course, that museum is currently open until you until you build the new one. And what are the summer hours uh, when our when all of our neighbors and friends go up north to, to Brainerd to go fishing? If they get a rainy day, they should come over and check out that museum. You absolutely have to stop in and, and talk to us. Uh, starting May 1st, we're open seven days a week, which is couldn't be couldn't be simpler or more convenient. Uh, Ten to five um, uh, all throughout the summer uh, through the end of September. Uh, seven days a week, come in, talk to us, see the exhibits, displays currently about uh, Minnesota's military history and and ask us questions and talk about this plans for our new facility. A lot of history going all the way back to the Civil War. Yeah, there's there's a lot to cover, right? Um, and we've done our best with this, again the space we've had, uh, and now we're graduating uh, to a, to a much larger space thanks to the generosity of some key individuals. 
Uh, you've collected artifacts uh, about our military for ever since it's been open, but you've got them stuffed into all kinds of buildings. You can't you can't display them all. There's a lot that the public doesn't see uh, when they come up and, and see our facility and understand that uh, there's one primary museum space, there's a library space, but then our campus uh, on Camp Ripley is actually a dozen different buildings, and most of those can't be accessed because they're packed to the rafters uh, with uh, veteran stories and artifacts. Uh, veterans have been voting with their feet for all these years, coming in, sharing these items with us, uh, having that conversation with our museum about why these things were important, and we've been uh, done our best uh, to be good stewards of those stories and those artifacts for all these years. So for our listeners, if you want to see the Minnesota Military Museum, and it's fascinating, uh, just get off the off the highway at Camp Ripley, drive to the front gate, ask the security guard to tell him you want to go to the Minnesota Military Museum. It's just straight down the road a little bit, and then go on in and, and look through that. Bring your children and your grandchildren. It's a great place to go to. And, of course, Randall, as you said, you're planning a new 40,000-square-foot facility on 32 acres just outside the wall of Camp Ripley and adjacent to the Little Falls Veterans Cemetery, so it's going to be even easier to get to once you build that for all those folks going up north uh, on fishing and hunting and snowmobiling and all that stuff. Uh, it, it couldn't be simpler, and it can't be missed. Um, you're going to see it for sure uh, headed up to the Brainerd Lakes area from the Twin Cities or vice versa. Easy to see, and uh, please stop and see now. Now, this is a big job. You've got a you've got a lot of artifacts to display. First, you got to you got to secure that land, and I will talk about that in a second. Then you got to build this building, and then you got everything moved in there. This you're going to be pretty busy for a few years. Uh, we're going to be very busy. Need uh, a lot of help to make all that happen for sure. Um, but yeah, we're in, uh, endeavoring to build that new facility. Uh, it's it's going to be built. It's not a question of if, if, but rather when. Uh, and you know what our vision for this new space is. You know, quite honestly, it's to build a world class museum. Uh, and that might sound lofty, and it is, but um, this new museum uh, will tell the story uh, stories of Minnesota veterans. And if we can all agree that Minnesota veterans dating back to the Civil War have world-class stories, and they do um, through all those conflicts up to present day, uh, if those are world-class stories, our job as a museum is simply to share those stories with the public as, um, as creatively and successfully as is possible. And, of course, Minnesotans have been involved in every war and they've taken primary positions in a lot of them, had more combat days and active combat in World War II than any other organization. And, of course, the Minnesota National Guard is an award-winning outfit, and and they've been very busy. We're speaking to Randall Dietrich, who's the executive director of the Minnesota Military and Veterans Museum at Camp Ripley. Let's talk a little bit about the the facility. Uh, You were able to secure some land. Mm-hmm. And then you went to the legislature to get some bonding and some money, and now you're trying to do some fundraising. Can you just walk us through that a little bit? Sure. We've been piecing it together. Uh, the board of directors uh, made this a, a the cause of, of our museum. Uh, so a couple of years ago, we did go out and obtain uh, 32 acres of, of land just off of Highway um, 371 at the intersection of 115, where you exit to see Camp Ripley. Uh, there's 32 acres right there on the highway that we did obtain. Uh, that property has now become... Uh, an additional space for Camp Ripley. It'll be Camp Ripley property. Uh, and then armed with that ideal uh, plot of land, uh, we did approach the state legislature. Uh, they came through for us uh, a couple of years ago uh, with $13 million in bonding money to get that process started. Um, and so we've designed a space, a 40,000 square foot facility, uh, packed with gallery spaces and outdoor parade ground area, uh, lots of indoor and outdoor interpretation spaces. Uh, and now we're taking uh, the next steps. 
And for our uh, Navy veterans in Minnesota, you're in the process of trying to secure uh, an important part of history for for them, too. We are, uh, for sure. Um, There is a uh, Los Angeles-class submarine that was decommissioned in 2008, uh, known as the USS Minneapolis-St. Paul. Um, That's currently um, been um, disassembled, and part of it is being recycled. But we've uh, contacted, with the help of the governor's office, the Navy, Ask that the sail and rudder of that Los Angeles-class submarine uh, be preserved. Uh, and we're in the process of making plans, arrangements to go out, pick it up, and bring it back to Camp Ripley and put it on display uh, on this new site. And then, of course, on May 21st, we're going to be up in Duluth for the commissioning of the brand-new ship in the Navy, the USS Minneapolis-St. Paul, and I'm sure you'll have some information there on that, too. Now, Randall, can you explain, explain what level of involvement to the departments of Minnesota Department of Military Affairs and the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs have with the museum. Yeah, this is a, a very close and important partnership. Um, you know, both organizations are, are key um, on the military affairs side. Um, this whole construction process will be managed or is being processed and managed by uh, military affairs. So they'll oversee that construction uh, for this new site. Uh, we appreciate that level of support and assistance. Uh, there are a few Camp Ripley functions. You heard General Cruz speak a few minutes ago that will migrate out to this new space right along the highway. And then on the Veterans Affairs side, um, you know, Commissioner Herkey has been a great partner and advocate for what we're doing. Uh, we're proud to serve on his task. Task Force, the 9-11 and Global War and Terrorism Remembrance Task Force um, at, at the highest level and then at the more local level also working with the county veteran service officers to collect stories statewide to populate this new facility. And you're going to have plenty of room to do it. Randall, we have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the uh, new uh, Minnesota Military and Veterans Museum up in Little Falls. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been talking to Randall Dietrich, who is the executive director of the Minnesota Military and Veterans Museum at Camp Ripley. And we've been discussing the fact that they are in the process of planning for a new 40,000-square-foot facility on 32 acres just outside of the wall of Camp Ripley and just adjacent to the Little Falls Veterans Cemetery. And, uh, you know, talk about history. At Camp Ripley there that's been there for 90 years, and they got that beautiful Little Falls Veterans Cemetery. It's so well taken care of. It's unbelievable. It's a, it's a lovely space, and for a museum, it's the ideal location. So you secured some land. Yes. And you're going to share that with Camp Ripley, part of that. And you explained that you're partnered with Minnesota Department of Military Affairs, which is the, the uh, state agency that's in charge of the Minnesota National Guard. And, of course, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. And Commissioner Herkey, of course, is, is leading that. And, and it's his job to take care of all the veterans in Minnesota. And part of taking care of them is to remember what they've done. Absolutely. And you, know, you speak to uh, resiliency uh, for service members, a place where they can come and gather and see their stories um, moving forward, bring their kids, their grandkids uh, in years to come. It's a great opportunity and responsibility uh, to provide a home for them, for their stories to be available to the public. And this new location will dramatically increase the accessibility to those stories. And, of course, uh, we've had you and some of your people on the show before, so we know that the 1st Brigade Combat Team traces its uh, its sources back to the Civil War. Uh, the Minnesota National Guard played a huge part in World War II. And, of course, uh, in, in the recent wars, uh, the Minnesota National Guard has is, is done just a great job on multiple, multiple deployments. And you keep track of all that stuff, or try to. 
try to. We we do our very best. That's that's our job. That's our responsibility is to make sure that that legacy uh, lives on and is is broadly available. So um, it is an awesome responsibility. It's uh, one that doesn't come without a cost. Uh, we are uh, we did receive some support from the state of Minnesota. Uh, we've gone back and, and talked to them again again. Based upon the the inflation that we've all seen uh, post pandemic, uh, there's an additional bonding request currently at the state legislature. There are House and Senate files uh, for that bill, and we've gotten good support from uh, both sides of the aisle to make this happen. It's it it is a bipartisan issue, and I, I trust that uh, support will be forthcoming. You know, this the job of the state of Minnesota is going to be to build the facility, and I have confidence that that additional funding will will fall into place at the end of May. Uh, the job of the rest of us, uh, the private sector, is to outfit that facility um, with the gallery spaces, the education classrooms, the theaters, so that that legacy that you were just mentioning shows up and is demonstrated clearly for people to understand both veterans and folks who have no military background at all can come and see the kind of service and sacrifice that Minnesotans have demonstrated since statehood. And Randall understands a pretty good year over at the Capitol. They've got a surplus over there, and, and so they might be able to help a little bit more. So for our listeners, give a call to your state elected officials and, and ask them to support the new Minnesota Military and Veterans Museum. Randall, I'm looking at your brochure, and I see this new facility and a parade ground. You've got to have a parade ground if you're going to have military anywhere near. But we've got tanks and vehicles and choppers, and you're going to have parts of the submarine. You're going to have all kinds of things for veterans and non-veterans and their families to see. On the way up north and back, when they're going up there for summer and fishing time and winter snowmobiling, all of that, uh, this is this is kind of like living history. It's an exciting time. It's the first time in state history that we've come together to design and build a facility from the ground up dedicated to Minnesota veterans. And as you're making that drive on Highway 371, it's going to be hard to miss. Like I mentioned, um, a 40,000 square foot facility, uh, big American flag, six service flags and all the things you just described right along the highway. So, Randall, everybody knows uh, this year we're suffering from some inflation. It's labor inflation and product inflation, material inflation. Uh, you're in the process of planning and getting ready to build this facility. How's that budget looking? The costs are going up. They are. You know, in, in total, it's a $33 million capital campaign. Uh, we've received $13 million from the state already. Uh, we have a $10 million request pending. We've received $5 million from the private sector. Generous individuals are already stepping forward and pledging $5 million, which leaves at least an additional $5 million to be raised by the private sector. Uh, Individuals, uh, organizations, corporations coming together to make that happen. And, you know, from where I sit and what I understand, you know, it it is a donation that we're asking for. Ultimately, it's an investment that we're asking people to make and giving people a chance to invest in something that's terribly important now and into the future. Uh, And I have full confidence that individuals, your listening audience, uh, and and companies, including the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon companies, uh, will make that investment of at least $5 million to, again, outfit this fantastic space with the kinds of stories that we all know and love of our friends and family who have served. Now, Randall, if our if our listeners want to send in $20 or $50 or $100, is it deductible to them? It is, absolutely. So you are you do have an IRS letter. You've got all the things in place. You can give them a receipt. They can deduct it from their taxes. Yes. That's good. Now, for all of our listeners, how can they get involved? How can they help you? Do you need volunteers? Do you need money? You probably need both. 
We need both. Uh, we need uh, both of those. We need stories from individuals. Uh, we don't have enough uh, stories, in my estimation, from the Cold War. Cold War stories is something we want to make sure gets embedded in this new facility. That's one. Most important in the way of stories that we're trying to collect are the, the GWAT stories, the global war on terrorism. Uh, we have a major push to collect those stories now before it gets any later. So our museum is desperate for as many stories since 9-11 as we can gather. Um, and so donating uh, those stories to us and also making an investment financially in this new space. You can find information on our website. You can also come into our museum and have conversations with people you know, on site and ask us tough questions, good questions uh, to better inform our approach in this massive responsibility that we feel to do right by Minnesota veterans. Give us your website. Yeah, mnmilitarymuseum.org. MNMilitaryMuseum.org. Is there a place there to make their donations online? Find it on the homepage. And even more fun, when you're up there this summer with your family, stop over and see the museum, and while you're there, leave them with a donation so that we can get this thing going. Let's get it done. We we hope to open the new space uh, in the spring of 2025, optimist, uh, optimistically perhaps uh, fall of 2024. So it, it, it's in the works already. It's on its way. Great. Randall, we'll have you back on. We'll keep following this, and uh, good luck. Thank you very much. That was Randall Dietrich, the executive director of the Minnesota Military and Veterans Museum at Camp Ripley on Minnesota Military Radio. Joining me now from the flag line of the Minnesota Patriot Guard is Tim Leonhardt. Tim, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you, Tom. It's always an honor. Tim, it's springtime. Most of the snow in the Twin Cities has gone away. Imagine you've got that motor scooter going. Oh, yeah. I've had it out for a couple of weeks already. <laughs> Is it is it safe out there? They got the it roadways is. swept up and cleaned up so you can ride. Well, it is. You just have to you know be careful. It's like riding in the country with sand on the corners and something to watch for the wet spots that are slippery or shiny and stay off the white paint. <laughs> and so, for all our listeners, watch for those motorcycle riders oh, yeah. and give them give them some space. Yeah, I think I've surprised a few people already. Yeah, I'm sure you have, Tim. They're not ready for that, but be careful out there. Oh, yeah. Minnesota Patriot Guard, how'd you weather? Did uh, Were there a lot of missions over the winter? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we you know, Whether it's sunny or snowing or blizzard or rain, we're, we're there if we're invited. Sound like mailman. <laughs> kind of. Rain well, or snow, those, whatever. Those, those servicemen that we're honoring gave up a lot. In they were parts of their lives, their parts of their family. They were in the 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 foxholes when it was muddy and filling with water, cold and wet and hot and buggy and everything else. So the least we can do is be out there for them. Very good, sir. And and you have uh, your members are referred to as riders, the Minnesota Patriot yeah. Guard riders. Yeah. And you have uh, when they sign up. They just go onto your website and sign up, and then they they get emails about the missions. Yes, yes, they do. They get emails about their their missions in their area, and then once a week we send out a newsletter with uh, links to all the missions that are coming up in the next week, or actually the next few days, few weeks, and then they can click on those. They can see what's coming on. Uh, we only use their email addresses just for Patriot Guard business there's no advertisements or anything like that going going out to them and anyone um, can join they don't even have to have a motorcycle no you don't have to have a motorcycle we don't care how you get there you can come by bus and what's the website tim it's mnpatriotguard.org okay now the important part if we have a veteran or a service member that we've lost in duty 
and their family would like the Minnesota Patriot Guard to come to the funeral. The only way that happens is for them to contact you and ask. Yes, yes, and on our webpage on the left side, it says invite the Minnesota Patriot Guard. And it's the only way we will come. Otherwise, we're un- un- unwelcome guests. Well, it's quite an event when the Minnesota Patriot Guard riders show up to honor your veteran. Uh, I've been there. I've lost a veteran and, and been on the other side of it. It's amazing, and you guys do a wonderful job. Now, now, Tim, we, we, we appreciate what those, what those veterans have done for our freedoms. Tim, I understand you're just going through another election cycle for your board members, and one of the old-time board members, Doug Bly, is coming to the end of many, many years of service, and he's just going to step back and be a, a writer. Yeah, that's what he that's what he wants to do. With, you know, with the name, you know, Doug Bly, you might want to try to talk him into being a captain, so you'd be Captain Bly. Well, that makes a lot of sense, you know, Captain Bly, and he can go out and lead some of those missions. I'm sure okay. he'd, he'd like to do that, and we should have all the listeners uh, go to your website and tell him, come on, Doug, be a right captain again, get back <laughs> out here. <laughs> We're in trouble now, Tim. Oh, I know. We will be. <laughs> we will be, but that's okay. It won't be the first time, though. <laughs> all right, Doug, uh, or Doug, you're Tim. Tim, I uh, want to wish you and all the Minnesota Patriot Guard riders a good and safe summer. I uh, hope you have uh, a lot of successful missions, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Thank you, Tom. That was Tim Leonhardt from the flag line of the Minnesota Patriot Guard. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week. Brigadier General Lowell Cruz from Camp Ripley Training Center, Randall Dietrich from the Minnesota Military and Veterans Museum, Tim Leonhardt from the flag line of the Patriot Guard, Commissioner Larry Herkey of the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. Please join us next week as we talk about the Minneapolis VA Medical Center and the Hugo Beyond the Yellow Ribbon Network. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons, and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this week. Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at Minnesota Military. Radio.com.